Welcome to the Stilettos and Stouts podcast. My name is Christy and I am your host and I want to welcome to the show my co-host Ryan and we have so much that we need to discuss in this episode. Oh my goodness do we. We're just going to jump right into it. Devil's Twitter is not really happy at the moment and the reason they're not happy is because Lindy Ruff continues to put Eric Halla on the same line as Jack Hughes. I know how I feel about it, and I think Ryan and I are actually on the same page, but I know Ryan brought statistics with him, so let's get started. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so statistically, uh, Jack Hughes is a noticeably better player with Eric Hall on the ice, and it's not even close. Uh, <laughs> Eric Hall possession uh, driving with Jack on the ice is, is pretty much second to nobody. Uh, so everybody that's talking about freaking out and wanting to get him off the line with Jack has no idea what they're talking about. So I, uh, yesterday when I was at the game, I was on, obviously I was on Twitter. I was live tweeting and I was seeing the comments and like everything coming through. So I said to myself, I said, you know what? When we get into the post game presser, I'm going to ask Lindy Ruff about it. The question was asked before I got the microphone and, you know, Ruff gave a pretty like valid answer. And he gave a very complete answer. It's not like he just gave us three words. He really explained it. And I thought everything he said made sense. Oh, 100%. Uh, it all makes sense. And quite frankly, if your top superstar is comfortable playing with somebody on a line who's driving possession, making more space for them, uh, the only negative you can see with Hala is he's been snake bitten and he also hasn't really done a good job as far as finishing when he's had right on the doorstep chances. But if that's it, if, if you've got your superstar playing at this level on now, people are starting to be like, Ooh, maybe heart talk. Um, don't mess with it. Well, and I, I do agree with you. And I think when I talked to Eric Halla at the beginning of the season, I was talking to him about like lines and things of that nature. And he said, he goes, you know, I'm new. I don't have chemistry with anybody. So what we're seeing is him and Jack really building that chemistry and if you want to talk about players that are, you know, snake bitten or not finishing their chances, there's a couple Devils players that fall into that category that had breakaways that were not capitalizing on the opportunities that they had. What's kind of throwing me... Oh, yes. Yeah. And what's throwing me for a loop a little bit is I can understand if the Lions not producing, but Jack's goal versus St. Louis, one was assisted by Halla, the other one Tatar had an assist. Hughes goal versus Detroit. Halla and Tatar had the assist. Like, Halla has is on a four assist like point streak and all four assists are on goals by Jack Hughes. So it's not like they're not connecting, you know, it's not, you know, Jack is on pace to have one of the best seasons of his career. He's going to the all-star game. So at this point, I think there's bigger holes in the forward group to complain about. If you want to complain, than the fact that Eric Hall is playing with Jack Hughes, because they do, they look, they look to really enjoy playing with each other. Oh, certainly. And I think uh, you're also dealing with a lot of Devils fans that made the assumption, myself included, that uh, Palat was brought in kind of to play with Hughes and create space for him and kind of do exactly what Hall is doing. Uh, So I think last night was a double whammy of uh, Palat coming back and not being put right on Jack's line, him still playing with Halla. Again, would Jack score two goals last night, right? Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I, I don't understand it, but I think that's part of it too. They expected that Palat to fill that role for Jack and I, they might not need him to. And I think too, like for me, when I looked at Palat, even going back to the summer when he was acquired, you know, when he signed, 
I didn't know in, in my own head. I said, I don't know who he's going to go with. If he's going to go with Miko or Jack. And I know that fans saw Holt, Palat, and Jack together in preseason. Yeah. And they loved it. But again, it was preseason. My thing, personally, I would keep Palat. Obviously, I'm not a coach. I would keep Palat with Heischer and Brat Because before that injury, Palat has three goals as a New Jersey Devil. Two of those goals were assisted by Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt. And they really seemed to start to click as a line before Palat got injured. So get like let them build their own chemistry. Oh, sure. What people are missing is Lindy Ruff, he run, he rolls four lines. Unless he's really in like a bind where he because we did see him bench Sharon Govich, Holtz, and Boquist in the past. He's going to roll four. So you want that consistency through all the lineups. So I personally am a fan at this point of Palat with Nico. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that at all, like, especially because you're seeing Jack play so well with Halla. I would like to see them figure out who that other person's going to be on that line. Um, if Halla's not going to finish, you got to have another finisher for Jack to kind of create more space with, because eventually you're just going to see people start collapsing on him. Uh, and and that's going to get frustrating. If they know Hall is not really an option, they're going to need to give him a legitimate option. And quite frankly, I'm curious as to why they're not playing Mercer more on their wing. That is an interesting point. But I will say that Jack, so Jack's line with Hall and Tatar last night combined for 19 shots on goal and four points. Really? Yeah, they had 19, 19 shots on goal? I didn't yes. know that. Yes, because wow. if I'm... Quoting it correctly, Jack had nine shots on goal, Tatar had seven, and Hall had three. And if I could do math correctly, <laughs> they, had, <laughs> they had a ton of shots on goal. So for me, very good. See how bitter people were that Hall is on Jack's line. I'm just looking at this team and I'm like, we have, like, the team has so much, so many other holes that really need to be addressed that I just don't understand why this is the thing that people are kind of stuck on right now. Yeah, it's kind of weird that it's taken over. I engaged with some people on Twitter as well. And I was like, so your superstar player is comfortable playing with a guy that creates space and possession for him. And you want to break that up. Okay, fine. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't know what else to say to people sometimes. No. And the, the other thing that I noticed, because I, I always pay attention to giveaways at the end of the game, too. I always look at all the stats. Mm -hmm. And Jack leads the team with giveaways. I think he has 44. I think second is Hamilton. And then on the flip side, he also, I think, leads the team in takeaways. But if you have a player that's going to always have the puck and, you know, lose the puck occasionally, I can understand the value of having a Halla who's more of a defensive, you know, forward. He plays in the penalty kill. Like, I can understand that balance in the line. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, and I think the giveaways is, like, part and parcel to Jack's game, right? Like, he's so capable of doing things that you're not supposed to be able to do with a puck that <laughs> that's just – it's going to happen, right? He's just – he's going to stick handle it into somebody else's skates more often. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's just part of it. Dougie, I'd love to see much better than that with the giveaways. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a rough one. But Jack, I can't not – Un, it's not unexpected, I guess. No, it's yeah, like like yeah. like smaller, speedy forward. I think it does make sense. But speaking of Hamilton and the defense, let's segue into Kevin Ball. Yes, Kevin Ball is a player that I think is struggling a little bit. You know, I think he's kind of falling into the category of maybe a Damon Severson, where his mistakes are glaring mistakes to the people that are yeah. watching. 
Um, and that's not disrespect to Damon, but I always hear fans say, you know, Damon's mistakes are always so obvious. And I'm going to make that comparison to Kevin Ball, where his mistakes, they're very noticeable. And we've seen yes. Lindy Ruff bench him at the end of games. But he keeps him in the lineup. He hasn't put Nikita in yet, even though Nikita's been, you know, with the team. I look at Kevin and I kind of sit down and I, I read things online and, you know, fans are ready to trade him or send him to Utica. But that he's making the mistakes that a young defenseman make. Yeah, for sure. And he's doing it on the third pair. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't really, you know, you can't get that mad at it. Marino's out. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really is kind of a situation of next man up. I'd be really curious to see what they're going to do with Nemec coming back from the World Juniors because I watched a lot of that tournament and he looks like he doesn't belong playing with those kids. He's so much bigger and stronger than all of them. I I would love to see them right give him a shot right now coming off that hot tournament and let's see what he can do. And it's not a knock on on Hachuk or Kevin Ball, who I, I think Kevin Ball is going to be a good defenseman in this league. Mm -hmm. He just might be a little out over his tips at the moment. Um, and there's nothing wrong with taking a break and taking a look for a little bit. And if you're going to do that, let's let's see what the kid can do. And I think, too, what bring, that brings me kind of to my next point is, you know, young defensemen, we, you know, it's always said defensemen take longer to develop in the NHL. Oh, sure. Not every defenseman is going to come out swinging like Kale McCarr and just rack up all these trophies and Stanley Cups before you're, you know, at 23 years old. With that being said, I think expectations should be maybe like just reality check a little bit when Nemich and Hughes eventually come into this lineup. Because, yes, they will they have a projected higher ceiling than Nikita and Kevin? Yes, look where they were drafted. But at the same time, they're rookies and they're going to make rookie mistakes. Absolutely. I agree. But I think that you've got a good chance with some momentum with him right now. Like he's coming off a, a junior tournament that he just dominated. He's played well in Utica. I just feel like momentum wise, like if you're really going to set the kid up for success, now would not be a bad time to do that. Send him out there with Brendan Smith, veteran presence, who's going to, you know, make generally the right spot happen all the time. So, you know, it, I just think it's the timing is right for it. And I, it's fine if he doesn't play super great. But it, it, in my head, it says it's time to just see what happens. Yeah, because I think you definitely can tell that the team is missing uh, John Marino. Yeah, I think absolutely. Kind of obvious at this point. Uh, Severson stepped up, though. I think Severson had played – he's played very well the past few games. Poor Damon Severson. I know. I've never seen a good player get more hate in my life. Oh, yeah. ever uh, and he's been here for so long he's put up with so much and here's a fun little tidbit we were in the locker room yesterday and uh i was standing with ryan who everyone knows and loves and we were waiting to ask just like our final questions to damon and it's we found out that he was actually finishing up a workout after the game and i've never felt so lazy in my life that there are days that i'm just sitting in an office and I'm like oh, i have to like do yoga right now and damon's like, <laughs> workout after he just played an entire game i also know that miles wood i don't know if it's occasionally or if that's just his post-game routine but i also know miles wood uh works out after the games as well which is just wow. wild i thought yager was the only one that did that with his like keys to the practice rink with his weighted skates and all that 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just another reminder that me and him are not the same. <laughs> wow, man. I, I'm I, look. I I work out in the mornings when I get up for you know a good forty five minutes to an hour. But I would not want to go play a hockey game and then work out. Man. No. That's crazy. No. When I saw Severson log, what was it? I think like thirty minutes and like forty one seconds. Woo. Yeah, I, I feel so bad because he really is like the it's just like the whipping post of the Devils fan base and he doesn't deserve it. He really Yeah, I, I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. Um I'm I'm the weird Devils fan who doesn't like to engage in a lot of erroneous hate online. Uh I'm I've I've been a stay the course, let's see how this goes for years now. You see it, you see it coming, you see it coming, and he's been the one consistent, like he's always been a darn solid defenseman. You know, if to, to to not very good. And I think, too, I think it's just because the mistakes are obvious, some of the mistakes, it really does take away from the, all the little things that he does right. And that's what's unfortunate is that, you know, you could do, a hundred, you know, 99 things perfect, and then you're going to have that one screw up. And that's like the one screw up that people are going to hold you to. Same thing with Blackwood, with his blunder. You know, he... Yeah. Admitted- he misplayed the puck. It happens. You can look up most, basically any goaltender at any point in time. And they've done something along that line, given a, a goal at like the, the halfway market, you know, part of the ice. But I thought he recovered really well. Yeah. What, what happened with him? Uh, you've, you've got more insight than I do. He got hurt in the, in the morning skate or the shoot around. Is that yeah. poor kid? Oh, good God. Yeah. So if we're fast forwarding from that moment. During the morning skate in Detroit, um, he was hit in the hand, I believe. Uh, so they kept him out for precautionary reasons. They obviously sent Akira down to Utica today. So all signs say that McKenzie's ready to go. Okay, good. Yeah, because he can't have another injury. This poor guy. No, no, he's he's got to whether whether he's your goalie or whether you're gonna do something with him. You gotta at least get him on track of some sort. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with him in the next few months. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and with Schmid playing really, really well when he was called up before, uh, I, I think it was Danico was saying in last night's broadcast, uh, he was specifically mentioning that there's lots of goalies, especially in his career, that in the AHL were kind of meh as far as things went. And then for whatever reason, the, the speed of the NHL game worked for their brain or how they move. Uh, and, and he specifically mentioned that, that he thinks Schmid might be one of those people where it is the speed of the NHL game suits him. Well, and I think what uh, Danica was talking about, because I was listening to that before I lost my AirPod. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was the structure. It's the structure of the NHL. Oh, okay. That is the bet that can benefit the goaltender because I've talked to a few players that have had AHL and NHL experience. And it seems like the common theme is that the NHL is faster and it's more structured. And even just sitting on the bench, AHL versus NHL is a completely different ball game. Oh yeah. And I kind of, I take in that information and I can understand why some players struggle when they make first make that transition. Cause it's, 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 it's a different game. You could be the top goal, you know, goal scorer in the AHL. You would be a fourth liner in the NHL. Like, you know, now you're going up against Connor McDavid and, you know, Austin Matthews. It's a completely different ball game for these kids. Yeah. And the, the, the speed of the decision-making, I really think that can really screw people's up. Uh, often you know you're so used to having a certain amount of time with the puck and those first few times where you think you've got that extra half a second and you don't 
And then, and then that's just in your head. You're like, yeah, I got to get rid of this. And now you're making panicky plays. Now you're making panicky passes. Now you're getting caught on your heels. You're giving up chances and, and it can stumble quickly for the young players. Yes. And also, so I do a Christie's devil's mailbag. I've been doing it for the past few months. And moving forward, we're gonna turn, I'm going to turn it into a video. But I got a lot of questions, which was great. I love all the questions. But I thought it would be fun to get multiple perspectives on it. So I picked three questions that you and I are going to dissect for the rest of the show. All right. The first question is, should the team trade for a rental or keep the next man up mentality and stick with the kids in Utica? And I know that you have a lot of opinions about this. I do. Um, it depends on what we're defining as a rental. Is a rental like the contract is up after this year? Yeah, no, we should not trade for a rental. Uh, I'd be willing to entertain somebody with a little bit of control, with a little, with um, a controllable asset that's in the right age frame. Even if it's maybe somebody who's got an expiring contract, who's a UFA, that would be acceptable. But a true like, rental at this time right now no I don't think you should do that I agree with you and my reason for it is this is not a Stanley Cup contending team this is not a Colorado Avalanche yet it's not a Tampa Bay Lightning team I was just gonna say yet yet they if if they go on another long run and you're in a different place and you think Mm -hmm. that guy's the difference between you know second round and conference finals or cup finals sure but right now, I, I no, I, I don't. I think you'd be giving up too much to get not enough. Yeah, I think we're. I think the team is still maybe a season or maybe two, maybe three away from being a true contender. So I agree with you that to give to give some to give a lot up for somebody who's not going to stick around. Like I think that Fitzgerald needs to kind of stay the course of picking up the Siegenthalers the John Marinos where they're making an impact. Now we're going to have them for a while so they can develop with the team and still be on the same time, like in, within the same time frame as Nico and Jack, because you don't want to waste Nico and Jack's prime. Yeah. And you don't want to waste when you're going to end up arguably getting both of those players for significantly below market value. Uh, those contracts are going to age really, really, really well. And the next time you have to pay them, you're going to pay them both outrageous amounts of money. So let's uh, let's try and do this while they're still on that contract. I just think you're seeing a young team learning how to win. And I think it's important to keep a core of that together when you're learning how to win. And that's going to come with ups, downs, goods, bads. But I think that's what you're seeing right now. You're a really talented team that plays really, really fast, that maybe the league has figured out to an extent. Um, you know, if you can slow them down, you can frustrate them. That's what it seems like, aside from the games where they just get snake bitten. Um but yeah, I, I don't think that would be a smart move at this juncture. Yeah, I don't think they're there yet. And I think that what they need to do is find, te- like like I said, find Siegenthalers, find Marinos that are that are going to be an asset to the core but can develop alongside the core. Yes, exactly. Um, this one, I could play both sides of this. Do you think the NHL should put forth an injury rule like the NFL? I do. As somebody who consistently gambles on hockey, um, and if we want to do a Ryan's Picks segment, I've been doing very, very well picking players for uh, 
points scored. Right now, Vegas is valuing Jack Hughes. Uh, his over-under for shots is 3.5 or 2.5, depending on the night. You can make a lot of money on both of those right there. But yes, absolutely. I think they should absolutely force teams to disclose injuries more legitimately. Um, it, it, the whole cloak and dagger era is is over with the advent of social media and all these things. Um, you know, And we lived through years of the devils under Lou. Oh, good God. He's out with a thing, right? Like, just, yeah, I think they absolutely should. I think it should be required. I think you should get dinged pretty hard if you get caught not doing it. Yeah, I I don't, yeah, see, I, I can go either way with this. Like, on one hand, yes, you know, like, the transparency would just be great because the injury, it is what it is. Once yeah, you exactly. Know what it is, that's it. Like, there's nothing going to change about it. But on the other hand, I do understand, like, while they're in that process of figuring things out, like, these these players are human beings. It's their health. You want to kind of – I understand, like, trying to keep things a little bit, like, closer to the vest in that regard. Um, but once we know what the injury is at that point, I, I don't – I mean, yeah, you might as well just say it at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the NFL does an incredibly, like, pervasive job of disclosing people's private medical things, right? Like – um, you know, they're not, they're not terrible with it. They're just letting you know what's happening. Right. He's got a high ankle spring. He's out for six to eight weeks. I drop his ass off my fantasy team. Like it, it's, it's super simple. Right. But then a lot of the cloak and dagger, Oh no, he's on this is that Oh, retroactive long-term IR. Well, if I know that, like, it doesn't really affect the game game, but it affects the games around the game. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, too, with social media, and I think a lot of people are just out trying to, whether it's make a name for themselves or get attention, you know, you have people that are, you know, putting out false information or saying, oh, I saw so-and-so in the tunnel, or I saw so-and-so walk into their car, and they're in a sling, or they're in, like, a walking boot or whatever. Yeah. I think that, we like, that's, I don't think that's necessary. I think that's creepy. (laughs) I know. You know, for me personally, I just don't see a lot of value in that because again, like they're human beings that are just trying to, you know, figure out the best way and best course to get themselves back on the ice and back healthy. So I think going, putting forth a rule similar to the NFL would, I think, eliminate a lot of the questions because I've seen on social media, like, oh, so-and-so's uncle, like sold a car to so-and-so and and they're in a cast or, you know, something like that. And yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, and it doesn't have to be like exactly, but you know, what's he dealing with? You know, Oh, he's got a broken bone in his foot. You don't have to tell me what bones broken in his foot, broken bone in the foot. Cool. Great. Cracked rib. Awesome. Don't have to know which rib all good. Right. Cause I know even with Bastion, because they never technically announced the injury, just that he's out indefinitely. When uh, the teams did their hospital visit, people were searching for photos, trying to see if Bastion was in a sling and uh, it was just like chaos. Yeah, and like I could argue that's way less okay than just telling me what's wrong. <laughs> like people are creeps; they're gonna be creepy, and the internet doesn't help that. All right, so let's just let's avoid it all and just tell us what's wrong with people. And uh, the final question I have to set this up first is: What position do you think the Devils would be most active in addressing via trade or other means? What I'm gonna say is at the conclusion of this season. Per my notes, Tatar, Wood, Paula, unrestricted free agents. Brat, Zetterlin, Boquist, McLeod, Sharon Govish, and 
Sharangovich and Bastion are restricted free agents. So me looking at this and knowing this, my immediate thought is this depth of this team can look completely different next season. It really can. You could argue all of those RFAs you could bring back. Uh, especially based off the fourth, that that's one of the most effective fourth lines in the league. If they're all willing to play that role, I would very happily invite them all back to do that at a reasonable pay rate. Um, you know, Miles might try to price himself out uh, as he did a couple years ago, but that's fine. Um, I, I don't see Tatar back with this team. It, it's just I nothing special. He's a super good, solid player. Just you know, I I think this team's going to be. On the way up as he's more on the way down, you're starting to see the regression in his game. He's better than last year for sure. Um, but when we got Tatar, I was genuinely excited, and I feel like I, I got something different than I was buying in a weird way. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think you're going to see them try to address some sort of big-time winger uh, specifically to play with Jack. I, I think that's your bread and butter. It's proven to be your bread and butter. Um, go out and get – you know, I could see him doing really, really well with a big power forward that crashes the net and causes mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think Timo Meyer would be a nice fit on this team. I do. But then you have to get into whether or not you're giving Jesper Brett as much money as he thinks he's worth, which apparently he's not. <laughs> <laughs> we, have I to, mean, we have to save that one. We have to save it for a brat. We can absolutely save that one. And I got myself one of those Jesper Brett is the best player in the NHL shirts because I think they're funny. Um, but yeah, we can, we can get in the, we can get in deep on that one as to what he actually should get paid and what he probably thinks he's worth. And I do agree with you. I think the fourth line, the BMW line, the fourth line, they're very interesting to watch because what I've realized over the past couple seasons is it needs to be all three of them. Yes, absolutely. So when I look at this and I see Wood as a UFA and McLeod and Bastion as RFAs, it's kind of almost a package deal where I'm like, you bring all three of them back or you figure out what you want to do moving forward because Bastion and McLeod were not as effective last year without Wood. And you see Wood and McLeod struggling right now without Bastion. It's a very weird dynamic the three of them have. They need each other to be successful. And I think when all healthy, they are a dominant force. They are. Oh, yeah. It's a hundred percent, but I'm, I'm curious to see how that's, that's going to fall. And also Zetterland is very interesting because Lindy Ruff did not hold back during no. the press conference yesterday when it came to baby in Zetterland. No, he was super honest and honest. I, 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 sorry to stutter a little bit there, but like, I didn't want to use honest twice on top of that. If, <laughs> just bring down a wall here. Um <laughs> But his his frankness in that press conference, and in general, most of his press conferences this year, he's been very forthcoming with his opinions on things, who's doing what. Uh, his flat out, like, if you're not scoring, you better be hitting. If you're not hitting, you're not going to play. And he's not Great. Wrong. No, he's not wrong. And they know exactly where they stand and what they need to do to get back in the lineup. I think that's super fair. And I think, you know, the immediate argument is, well, you know, then you tell me what Boquist is doing that Zetterlund's not. And when I hear something like that, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow, because I rough is being with the media, I think at 11 a.m., maybe that will have a conversation. But at the same time, I always had the philosophy, even when I watched hockey, when I didn't have my credential, 
I don't think fans are owed an answer to everything. I think there's a lot of conversations that happen within the locker room between the players and the coaches. And I think that they have a right to keep those conversations private. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, for me personally, when I, you know, knew somebody was going to come out of the lineup, I actually was thinking it might have been Boquist. But again, Boquist is a player that I haven't had an issue with. Him on a line with Holt and Sharon Govich was not very productive, but I think Boquist is strong defensively because he's a player that you don't really see make too many mistakes. No, and I, I also wonder if he's doing exactly what they're asking him to do, and maybe they're trying to to get Zetterland to play a little bit with, more within the structure of the system, and he's been resistant to it, or he yeses them, and then he goes out and flies all over the place. I don't know that to be a fact. I just That's what logic tells me when something like that happens, is one guy is in the place he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, doing what he's supposed to do, and, other guy, and the other guy's not. It's, it's sometimes that simple. Yeah. And I think it's a good reminder that, you know, everything you just said, there's conversations happening that fans and media don't know. And, you know, when I talked to Cam Jansen over the summer, who's lovely, by the way. Oh, he's the best. I've met him a bunch. He's awesome. Yeah, he's the best. He said to me, he goes, every player that's in the lineup is in the lineup for a reason. Yep. He goes, watch how players play along the wall. He goes, that's a big thing. But he goes, everyone is in the lineup for a reason. And I always, that kind of always stuck with me. And I pay more attention now to that wall play, who's strong on the puck, who's a little bit weaker on the puck, who's giving the puck away. And you do learn so much more from that. But seeing Zetterlin scratch, I thought was definitely a reminder that there's, there's things that fans and media are just not going to know. Sure. And it could be as simple as they want him to get a few games in the press box to get that view. Right. Certainly possible. Yeah, Ryan, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think that's a really good way to end the show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an exciting time for Devils Hockey tomorrow. We, uh, we're recording this on Friday, so tomorrow's Devils Rangers. I will have that on in the tasting room at Elementary Brewing. If anybody's in the area and you show up wearing devil stuff, I will give you a dollar off all your beers. Look at, look at that added bonus before we end the show. <laughs> I know, right? I love giving stuff away. Come on down. Let me give you less, um, more for less. Who doesn't love a host that's willing to give things away? You got to love Absolutely. So we'll see you guys <laughs> next week. We will. Cheers. Cheers.